Hey everyone, welcome back to the Cedar and Cypress podcast. I'm Allison. And I'm Liv. And we are back with our regularly scheduled topical episodes. Today we are super excited to be talking about friendships, which has been like a huge, huge topic of conversation for us, like ever since we started talking and hanging out. And I just think it's a great topic to cover, like, especially from a Christian perspective, just because I think it's something that, I mean, we absolutely all have to deal with, but we don't always get to talk about it and uh, just discuss like the different aspects of friendships and stages of friendships, all that good stuff. So that's what we're going to be here for today. Uh, Mm -hmm. But before we jump into all that great stuff, we are going to catch you guys up on what books we've been reading. So Liv, do you want to go first and tell us a little about what you've been reading? Yeah, we just decided that we were going to do something a little different. So we're yeah. going to talk about the books that we're reading <laughs> instead <laughs> of favorite part of the week. Um, I also can't think of much that I did this week, if I'm honest. Yeah. So this will be this will be good. Yeah. So I just finished a book today, actually on my lunch break, I finished this book and it's called the silent patient. And it was really interesting to me when I heard about it, I thought it was very intriguing because it's about someone who, I don't know how to describe it without making it sound like really just freaky, but basically, (laughs) yeah, dark, (laughs) but basically it's about this woman who supposedly killed her husband. And then after she kills him, she basically goes silent and like stops speaking and she won't speak for anyone. So she's been silent for like years and they basically put her in a uh, psychiatrist ward because, or psychiatric ward, because they basically attributed everything that happened, like her trying to kill her husband. She actually tried to commit suicide after that. And then she went silent. So they kind of attributed all of that to her probably having some mental health issues. (laughs) So they put her in this psychiatric ward and it's about this psychiatrist that gets a job there on purpose because he knows who she is and he wants to treat her basically and wants to um, try and get her to talk and open up and tell her story and like help heal her or help her heal if that makes sense. So Yeah, it was really good. It was kind of slow moving. So I enjoyed it. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like it didn't get super like shocking until the end of the book. Like literally the last like 20 pages was when I was like, wait, what? But then the whole rest of the book was just kind of this very slow buildup. So I kind of wish it had been a little more fast paced or he had thrown some curveballs in there somewhere, the author. But um, but overall, it was really good. Uh, it was really interesting. I liked having like a psychiatric twist on things. I thought that made it super interesting and how most of it took place in like a psych ward. I thought that was cool, but yeah. yeah so that's what I just finished reading. And then I just started a new book. Um, it's called the last time I lied. <laughs> um, it's another book by Riley Sager. If you heard me talking about, uh, lock every door on our, was that our last episode? Yeah. Last week's. Okay, last episode, I was talking about that one because it's such a good book. So I wanted to read another one of his. And okay, so there's something ironic about this situation that I told Allison (laughs) about because I realized it and I was like, whoa, that's really weird. So I'm only saying this because this podcast is going up after he's already home. I don't like to tell people (laughs) that my husband is out of town and I'm home alone for a couple of days, but because this will go up when he's home already. Um... My husband is out of town this week and he is helping out 
at a summer camp. He's like with the youth kids from our church, helping be a camp counselor. Now, the irony here is that before he left and before I was even like thinking about him leaving, I decided to read this book and it's about a girl whose friends go missing at a camp, at a high school <laughs> camp. And years later, she returns to basically like the scene of the crime, like the camp to be a counselor because she wants to figure out what happened to them. And apparently it's like a thriller, like crazy twists that happen and stuff. And I was like, maybe this is not the best book to be reading while my husband is at a camp. Like I'm just gonna be like in my bed trying to like wind down for the night, like (laughs) reading this book. And then I probably won't be able to sleep (laughs) because my husband is at a camp at this very moment. Like anyway, so uh, yeah, I'll keep you posted on that. If I have nightmares or if I freak myself out, maybe I just won't read it till he gets back. (laughs) Yeah. That may be, (laughs) that may be advised, (laughs) but yeah, those are the books that I'm reading. What about you? Yeah. So last week, On the podcast, I mentioned I was reading or had just finished Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo. Uh, And it's a like a fantasy young adult genre. And I think I mentioned that kind of like the main foundation of the world is that there's people that can control some of the elements like they can interact with like fire and with metals or like with human organs so they have different like things that they can control telepathically and so it's a duology in this set like the second book is called crooked kingdom which is what i just started uh i'm like a couple chapters in right now but i've read the whole series the whole two books multiple times so it's not like my first time Uh, okay but which is it's crazy that i've returned and reread this series so many times considering that just like a young adult fantasy I was going to say, it must be good. (laughs) It is really good because I really love reading books with ensemble casts. Uh And the series follows these three, uh, these six main characters and all the different twists and turns in their life that have led them together to be at this particular moment in time. It's kind of like a heist story where they're all trying to pull off this like huge mission that will make them a ton of money and help them all in various you know, trouble they found themselves in in their life. And so I think I just really love stories like that that have an ensemble cast and different stories and plot lines that you can follow. Uh, so I'm on the second book right now. Um, but after that, I plan to read Little Women, which is another reread. I've read that book before. Classic. We may be reading that one together. Yes. And then uh, we're trying to get Liv to read Harry Potter. So I may reread that. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have seen the movies but not read the books and I'm even one of those people that thinks that books are always better than the movie like 99% of the time mm-hmm. so I definitely need to read those I think I've just gotten attached to the thriller genre recently yeah. just because it's so intriguing to me it's kind of like it's like true crime, but it's fictional. So it's not quite as scary because it's like, this didn't really happen, you know? And I'm super into true crime stuff. But eventually if I listen to or watch too much of it, I get paranoid. So I think this is me like taking a step down from that, but it's still just as intriguing to me. So I feel like it's hard for me to like pivot from that to go to a different genre and be like, I'm going to read fantasy now. or I'm going to read 
Harry Potter, you know, what have you. So, um, yeah, but I do want to read all of those because they sound super interesting. I want to read the series too. Cause you know, a book is good. If you keep going back to it. Oh like, yeah. Like if you times. already know all the endings yeah, and you just keep coming back. I mean, that's why stories like Harry Potter or like Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of Rings, we come back to that like all the time. Right. Like you already know everything, but you want to see it play out every, every single time. So yeah, I I read fantasy because it's so far removed from reality that it can't make me paranoid. Like nothing yeah, that's I'm true. reading could ever happen. <laughs> right. So I'm safe. Hey, this is not even plausible. I'm safe here with like tea, my book, and nothing's yes. ever gonna happen it's to me. Relaxing. Anyways, so well, with that said and done, you guys are all caught up to date on what we've been reading. I know you didn't ask for that, but now you know. Yeah, we have all these book recommendations. We'll keep them coming. Uh, and if you don't like reading, this is your sign to start reading for fun. Um, but <laughs> you uh, can skip this part. Yeah. <laughs> but jumping into our topic for today, like I mentioned at the top of this episode, uh, we just wanted to take some time to talk about friendships from a Christian perspective, uh, just because there are so many different kinds of friendships we experience throughout our lives. Uh, some good ones, some not so good ones. I think we can all, you know, we all have those friendships in our lives that were for, uh, they were great and they grew us and ones that were just really hard and challenging. Uh, some of our friendships are lifelong. Some of them are just seasonal. Some of them, like I mentioned, are uplifting. Some of them are kind of discipleship oriented and, you know, some of our friendships are unhealthy. So how do we know which kinds of friendships are which? What things should we look for? What are the signs of those? And also how do we maintain healthy friendships and make sure that we're being a good friend to others? Those are all the different things that we want to cover today. Um, One of the things that we kind of wanted to start out with that we thought would be pretty foundational with friendship is just kind of talking over the different stages of friendship throughout our lives. And so I think Liv is going to start us off with that and kind of just explain some of those different stages of friendships that we go through in our lives. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously we know the different stages of life as you're kind of growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think with each stage of our lives comes different type of friendships and maybe a different depth to friendships as well. Um, Like when you're a child, obviously, Friend, like making friends is the easiest thing ever when you're a little kid, yeah. right? You literally ask people, do you want to be my friend? Like who has not done that? You know, you like meet a kid on the playground or and they ask you or you ask them, do you want to be my friend? And then someone says yes. They usually say yes. If they don't say yes, then there's it's a mean kid. But usually <laughs> they say yes. And then you're friends. You're best friends forever, you know? So I feel like when you're a kid, it's like very lighthearted, very just kind of playful. You enjoy spending time together and it's easy to make friends because you literally just directly ask people, do you want to be my friend? (laughs) It's very easy. Then you kind of get into like adolescence, you're preteen, you know, you're kind of a teenager and they get a little bit deeper. They get a little more complicated as you kind of start growing up a little bit. Everything's a big deal, you know? So sometimes there's some drama happening, but you start to really depend on friends. You know, you start to like really get to know people at a deeper level as you grow up and become like a full grown person, you know? <laughs> so I think friendships kind of deepen as you get into adolescence and then eventually you go away to college or you get to college age. Um, And I feel like this is another stage of life where friendships can be super easy because you're always around 
friends, you know, you're always around potential friends. Like you're around people your own age all the time. You're usually around people that are, have similar interests as you, if you're out of college, especially because you're around people that are in your same major um, and might want to have the same type of career path as you. So you kind of have a lot in common. Um, and I feel like it's just pretty easy to make friends. It might not be as easy to maintain them because I know sometimes, you know, different things get in the way in college, whether that be boys, <laughs> if you're a girl or girls, if you're a boy or, you know, other relationships, or you just kind of fluctuate between different people. And so you don't always get to a certain level of depth with people, or maybe you just have your couple of friends that are your super, super good friends. And they're mostly the people that you spend time with. But basically there's a ton of opportunities around you within that stage of life to just really make friends and develop friendships um, as you kind of become adults together. And then I feel like there's kind of that young adulthood stage, which is where I would say that me and Allison are in currently. Yes. And sorry, sorry Allison I just like dropped, dropped my... her chapstick. Uh, it, like, <laughs> it dropped out of my hand. It like flew like across the screen. So <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, this is kind of the stage that we're in right now um, where it's a little bit hard. You know, you graduate from college and you're not around people your own age 24-7 anymore. Um, maybe you get married. Maybe you move away from uh, places that you grew up or a place that you went to college. Maybe you end up staying there, but you're not around family or you're just around family and all your friends seem to have left at that point. Um, and it's kind of difficult. You might have to be a little bit more intentional when it comes to making friends, maintaining friend, friendships and growing those friendships into like a deeper level. Um, and it also might take more time. Um, in this stage of life, I feel like, because you're not constantly around each other. You kind of have to plan those things out as you deal with like being a real adult for the first time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then I feel like you kind of have kids, you start growing into these more like parental friendships where you're friends with like your kids, parents and things like that. A lot of people are anyways, or maybe you don't have kids. So you kind of grow into more like work relationships. Like you meet people at uh, your job or at like extracurricular things that you end up joining when you kind of get more established in life. And you, um, I don't know, I feel like a lot of times these friendships might seem a little bit more surface level as well. Cause it's kind of like, they're usually based off of something else, not just the other person, if that makes any sense. So like, if you're friends with someone from um, your job or from an extracurricular activity. Again, you might have to be more intentional about joining that because you're really just like friends because of the thing that you do together, if that makes sense. And then there are mature adult friendships. I put it this way because I didn't want to say old people friendships <laughs> um, where, you know, you get a little bit older, you're in your older age, you're very settled in life. I can't tell you I know what this part of life is like because I haven't been there yet. But just from what I've observed from other people, um, you know, you're kind of set in your ways. You're usually with your spouse most of the time or with your family, with your kids, with your grandkids. And, you know, you might have friends that are directly around you, like neighbors or um, people that go to your church, just different things like that. And again, you might have to be more intentional. So I think just the main thing that I wanted to kind of get across in this is that when you're a little bit younger in life, it might seem a little bit easier to make friends and maintain friendships and grow them deeper because you're constantly around people your own age. You're constantly presented opportunities to gain new friendships and deepen old ones. Uh, Whereas when you kind of get out of that stage of life, sometimes it can feel really lonely because you've just kind of 
dropped off from (laughs) these like huge pools of people that you could get to know. Um, And you have to be more intentional about reaching out to people and getting to know them and uh, setting up times and putting aside time to know people and like really, I guess, ask intentional questions too, to like grow friendships and deepen them. So um, did you have any thoughts on that before we kind of share maybe our own experiences in this? Yeah. As you were kind of talking, I was thinking about how the different stages of friendship kind of correspond to, I mean, do, they don't kind of, they do correspond to your emotional depth as a person mm-hmm. and and how you're growing and your maturity. And what that directly correlates to what you expect from a friendship and what you put back into a friendship. I feel like where you are emotionally could really predetermine, again, like what you have the margin ability to provide to other people in your life. And then also kind of what you expect other people, because I just, I think friendships like expectations is one of the biggest things that I think people can kind of miss each other in, at least in my experience. Uh, So for example, in high school, I had like a pretty hard time making friends and maintaining friends. And I just didn't have a lot of depth to them and always kind of expected more from my friendships than people were able to give in that time of their life. You know, everyone else is just teenagers. They're figuring out their life as well. And then in college, it was way easier for me to make friendships, like deep friendships, close friendships. So every, I mean, everyone has their different experiences, but I definitely would say it really correlates to where you are mentally and emotionally, what your friend, I think your friendships can be very indicative of that. Yeah, that's true. And I think also your emotional depth and your expectations in a friendship can also, I mean, I hate to put it this way, but kind of be an opportunity for disappointment too, because if you're expecting a lot from friendships and you're willing to put a lot in, but it just doesn't seem like the other person is, um, or you haven't like given the friendship enough time to grow to that point, sometimes it can be really disappointing because you're like, oh, this isn't really like a real friendship or this isn't a super deep friendship, you know? Or maybe like we mentioned before, those are signs that a friendship is unhealthy and maybe shouldn't be, you know, one that you should be pursuing actively. Um, I know like in my personal experience, I've definitely been someone who always had like a best friend. Like it was always like one or two people. Well, yeah, like one or two people throughout my life were always like my best friend. And then I kind of had like a group of friends outside of that. And that's how it was like all throughout high school. Honestly, even throughout college, I had like my like small kind of core group of what I would call like best friends. Um, And then I had, you know, just like a, a wider group of friends outside of that. So there were those people that I was like, I could tell these people anything. These people could tell me anything. I would call these people at three in the morning if I really needed them. And I know they would come help me and vice versa. Um, and then I kind of had a broader group of friends outside of that, that it was like, yeah, these are the people that we go to IHOP with at midnight and yeah. have pancakes and, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. But I wouldn't like call any of them if I needed something. Yeah. Um, but then honestly, as I got out of college, there was definitely a season where it was just kind of lonely. Like, I had just gotten married, and it's not that my marriage itself was lonely, but just the fact that you know, you like having friends that are your same gender. Like there's just something like, I think really sweet about that and really like beautiful about friendships with like people that are like-minded and like, you know, just your girlfriends. Like they're just, there's just a different place in your heart for 
those people than your spouse. You know, it's just kind of a different type of dynamic, um, obviously. So I was just kind of missing that. I felt like I didn't really have it because a lot of my friends had moved away or they just got really busy and we kind of grew apart. Um, and for a while it was really hard. Like I just kind of felt like there just wasn't really anyone in that anytime that I tried to reach out to someone to kind of try and get to know them, we would hang out like once or twice and then we kind of just fizzle out. Yeah. Um, like we wouldn't end up really being friends. Um, and I felt like I was always trying really hard and the other person wasn't. Um, and it was like really disappointing sometimes because I just really wanted to grow in friendships and just kind of see, uh, those things deepen and then they would just kind of fizzle out instead. Um, but I will say like during that stage of life, I definitely prayed often (laughs) that God would bring me friends, um, like true friends that I could really grow, um, in Christ with, and just like Mm -hmm. be encouraged by and be able to encourage and, Um, I've definitely seen him answer that prayer throughout the last year or so for sure. So it's like, sometimes I think we go through really hard, lonely seasons in life, but that God will answer that prayer. You know, if you ask him for friends, if you ask him to help you deepen those relationships and be intentional and bring you people that also want to do that on their end of things. So it's not just like constantly you trying to reach out to. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think post-college is really strange because you're used to it living in the dorms with people. And then if you don't live in the mm-hmm. dorms, at least rooming with people typically. I mean, I don't know a lot of college students that can afford an apartment all by themselves. So you're really uh, used yeah. to like <laughs> being around people all the time. You're always used to going to classes and then hanging out around campus where you just there, there's friends out of circumstance all the time. And then especially because Liv and I went to a pretty small school, you would see people, you know, all the time. The campus was really small. It, You know, it was just you had friends out of circumstance all the time. And that was great. And then you get married and everyone starts working full time and kind of trying to figure out what they're supposed to do with their lives and people get busy and just gets kind of hard to stay in contact with people. And that was definitely the same experience. I was the one who moved away. Like I moved to a different state and everyone else stayed uh, in Virginia. And so, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it was on anyone's side, but we all just kind of lost touch slowly. And I think that's okay. I think one thing I had to learn with friendships too is not all of them are meant for life. Mm-hmm. And that's a really that was a really hard thing for me to learn because I have a really hard time letting go of people and letting go of relationships. And uh, even if they're not great, I kind of remember the good times of them and I kind of cling to people and try to make that last. So it was really hard for me to just kind of watch things kind of fizzle out. I mean, I had, I would probably say a good solid year or so, maybe two of like just being really sad about not having any friends that looked after me or asked after me or seemed to really care what was going on in my life. Mm. So, I mean, I remember nights I would just like be really sad and tell my husband, I'm super sad that I don't have any really good friendships. And so he would pray with me and just pray that somebody would come along that I would get along with really well and we would click together. So like you said, there's definitely just times in life that are really lonely in that, in that department. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we all go through different like ebbs and flows in life where like, sometimes you have a ton of friends, you have a bunch of people you can talk to or hang out with. And then sometimes you're like, 
all by myself but <laughs> it's just like <laughs> yeah that's just kind of how it goes but mm-hmm. okay this is like <laughs> this is the cheesiest thing ever I don't even know if I'm going to keep it say it in though. the podcast because only it's here. that bad but this okay this whole topic just really makes me think of a song <laughs> by Justin Bieber which one okay have you heard the song lifetime by Justin Bieber I think so yeah okay so it's like the well, I think it's the chorus or whatever of the song like it just makes me think of that of this topic because <laughs> oh he basically God. okay I know it's terrible but the lyrics are some people bring you a million blessings some people teach you a million lessons some people come in your life for a reason others they come in your life for a season and I was like oh Justin yeah it's like terrible that that's what it made me think of because we're supposed so to be funny. like I really wish it had been like it reminds me of this scripture but instead my brain no, is like, like Justin, Justin Bieber. Bieber um <laughs> I don't know why. I just feel like those lyrics are true, though. Honestly, true. like sometimes, like people are only in your life for a season, and they teach you lessons in life, and that's really like the only purpose of their relationship in your life. And like that might sound terrible, but like I feel like sometimes that is true. It's like sometimes you just have people come into your life, and sometimes it's not even a good relationship, and then they leave your life, and they just teach you a lot of lessons, and that's not always a bad thing you know yeah that does kind of lead me to the next thing which is the types of friendships that we encounter in our lives they're just a lot a lot of different kind of (laughs) relationships that we have and one of the first ones is lifelong and those are like the sweetest friendships ever just like oh they're so awesome I mean I it's awesome because I've seen that like in my parents life like friends that they've had when they since they planted a church decades ago and like they're still friends and they still keep in touch and the families are really close I love that I love seeing how if you really work at it you could maintain a close friendship like that for regardless of where you move how many kids you have and we were even overseas and they were able to maintain that friendship so I think that's really awesome Uh, I had a friendship in high school that we were like she was a person I would say it was my best friend and I think she would say the same thing about me we hung out like every other day that we could if we didn't have homework we hung out on the weekends we were always together everyone knew us as Allison and Anya I'm gonna say her name but um in high school we had a really bad falling out like our senior year And there was a lot of just like broken trust and we couldn't really repair our relationship. And we were going in different ways. She was going off to med school and I was going to school in Virginia. And so we were just going on different paths in life. So we stopped talking for a couple of years. And that French, that ending that friendship or the end of that friendship really broke my heart for a long time and really sucked. And I, it was really tough. And then a couple of years later, I think after I had graduated college or I was close to graduating college she reached out to me because she found one of my brothers uh, on social media because I had like deleted all my social media and stuff and she reached out to me and we were able to rekindle our friendship after a couple years she had become a Christian as well and like become a really strong Christian and just like love Jesus and so that is a friendship I know I'm gonna have for for life because it went through such 
rocky waters and we stopped talking for a couple of years, we were able to come back together. It was like nothing ever happened. It was like we were still the same people, but just so much more mature and better at communicating with one another. Yeah. And it was a million times better. And we still talk. We still call. And I love her. So those are the kind of lifelong friendships I'm talking about where they kind of go through bad weather, but you know that person's in your life for life. So those are yeah. the ones I'm kind of talking about. And then, of course, the seasonal friendships like we talked about, the ones that are just in your life for certain periods of time. And it kind of maybe takes a little while to realize why, but God has a purpose for all of those relationships. Uh, we also have friendships in our lives that are kind of discipleship oriented. So I'm talking like if you have a mentor, someone older and wiser than you and more seasoned in their faith than you, they can kind of just mentor you through the different things in life. And those are really sweet friendships. Well, I've wanted a mentor for a long time. I don't have one right now, Mm -hmm. but I've always been interested in looking for one. I think there's there's part of friendship that is somewhat built on like what the stakes are. For example, if I were to tell this person that I disagree with things that they're doing in their life, it could potentially end in them being upset with me. Something like that. Whereas when you're in a mentor type discipleship relationship, there's no stakes. Like they're there to tell you, right? Hey, I think you might not be going on a right path here or I'm really encouraged by what I've seen you doing. Like they're not there to just like earn your approval. And it's really sweet to have a relationship like that where you're not chasing after that because it kind of removes the, uh, I don't know, the scary layer of like, should I say this? Should I not say this? You know, so that's definitely, I think, a great thing about relationships like that. Um, And then another type of friendship that we are going to talk about as well is healthy versus unhealthy relationships and friendships in our lives, which... They're kind of hard to quantify. They're kind of hard to explain. But yeah. I feel like you know you know when you're in a healthy or unhealthy friendship. Or at least looking back, you're able to determine whether a friendship was healthy or unhealthy. And a healthy one is where you're not walking around on eggshells around them. You're not afraid to speak your mind. You are comfortable with them. You're able to just be honest with someone about your needs and then also being um, honest with them like, hey, how can I help you? How can I encourage you? or what's going on in your life Mm -hmm. and not just on the surface level where you talk about your job and what you've been up to, but like really deep things like how are you really doing? Mm -hmm. How are you handling different things that are coming on in your life? I think those are pretty big signs of a a healthy relationship and an unhealthy one as well as when you're not comfortable with them, like when you're not able to really be honest with them if you're concerned about something with them or they wouldn't be able to do the same for you or there's a chance that you enable each other in unhealthy habits. Those are kind of the signs that you can look for that you may be in an unhealthy friendship or if there's any kind of codependency going on. I've talked about at length on this podcast. That's something I've struggled with in the past. So that's something that is a huge red flag, but it's hard to see sometimes. So those are some of the kind of characteristics. Are there things that you wanted to add to those categories? Yeah. So I think like you kind of know, like you just see the habits that are formed in different friendships and the way that you communicate with each other and the way that you've grown together or, or pulled each other down. And I think it's like those types of things definitely reveal if a friendship is healthy or unhealthy or if it's mm-hmm. seasonal or lifelong. Yeah. And on top of having a healthy friendship, I think one of the things that came to mind while you were talking is that with healthy friendships, there's also a strength to them. There's a root to them. Mm -hmm. Like 
I don't know, use the concept of a tree, like a very strong rooted tree that has weathered many different things like the wind, the storms, and those can kind of be the different things in life. So you and your friend, you're going to go through different things. You're going to go through turbulent times in your own personal lives and things that are going to be going on with you and things that are going to be going on with that person. And regardless, it's like your friendship is strong as a tree, regardless of all the things that have changed in your life since you've met that person, where you've moved, who you've met, where you've been, what you've been doing in your life, that person you come back to. And it's that strength is always there. I think that's a really good sign that when your seasons of life change and when all these other things in your life are changing, you know, you can count on that person, even if you don't see them very frequently. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really big thing. Like if you know, you could call that person and be like, I'm struggling and they would pray for you right then and there and they would speak scripture into your life and they would point you back to Jesus. That's the person you know that is going to bring you back to the right track. So there's definitely a strength and endurance to friendships because you are going to fight. You're going to argue. You're going to disagree. You're going to have different things. There's going to be conflict. And I mean, conflict in friendships is like a whole separate thing. Like how to navigate <laughs> that's another those podcast. things. <laughs> but that's inevitable as well. So if you guys can weather those things. You guys are like on a pretty solid foundation for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I think it (laughs) this is going to sound really sassy, but I feel like it depends like if the roots of the tree are healthy or if they're rotten, you know, I mean, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they're healthy, if they're if your friendship is built on a good, strong foundation, it's built on healthy values. Then if you have conflicts, you're going to be able to weather those and you're going to be able to stand against those. But if you're built on rotten roots where it's just like this is not a good friendship, it's unhealthy, it's you know, not going well. It's like, there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of turbulence in it. It's not going to weather those storms because the roots are rotten. It's going to be pulled from the ground when the wind gets harsh, you know? So, so moving into our next topic about friendship, I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about finding uplifting friendships and also just like what it means to be a good friend. So I think I said the word intentional about five jillion thousand <laughs> times when I was talking about the uh, stages of friendship. Uh, but I just want to reiterate the importance of intentionality. Sometimes in life, you're just not going to run into people and be friends with them. Sometimes you will, but a lot of times it takes a lot of intentionality. I think even if you immediately click with someone, someone has got to be the one to be like, let's keep this going. You know, like let's meet for coffee. Let's FaceTime. Let's talk on the phone. You know, um, I mean, obviously you don't want to be like obnoxious. Like you have to talk to me every day. You know, I saw you one time. Um, but just, you know, being intentional, like making sure that that person knows, Hey, I really enjoy your company and I would like to continue to get to know you, you know? Um, and you can even say that. I feel like telling people what you're thinking is kind of like a lost art. Like, it's just like, people yeah, don't really do that anymore. You know, it's like, um, and my husband has told me this actually, like, quite a few times where he's told me like, why don't you just tell people what your intentions are? Like in a relationship with them, like if you meet someone for coffee, like don't just like go meet them for coffee. And if it goes well, then like, great. But if it goes bad, then like, oh, too bad. I guess we don't get along. He was like, like give things a chance and actually tell them like, Hey, I think we would get along really well. And like, we have a lot in common. I would love to like be friends with you and like really get to know you and stuff. And 
I don't know. That might like sound cringe when you first just kind of say it that way <laughs> out loud. I know for me, I don't know why, for some reason, my first reaction to that is like, I don't know. I don't want to say that. But I think it's just because you're being vulnerable and you're telling someone, you know, this is what I actually want out of this relationship. And this is what I would really love to like build with you. You know, I would really love to like be friends with you. Um, kind of like just when you're kids and you go to someone, you're like, you want to be a friend, you know, my friend. Yeah. It's like the adult version of doing that. Just kind of telling someone your intentions and then being intentional and actually spending time with them and getting to know them. Um, cause sometimes you just don't click right away. Like there are people that you definitely click within the first like five minutes of meeting them and you just could talk forever. But then there are people that sometimes you kind of have to like grow your relationship to realize how much you have in common. So, um, you know, give people a chance to be intentional about it. And I feel like state your intentions. I feel like that can never hurt anybody. And a verse that came to mind when I was just kind of studying this topic and thinking about this was um, Ecclesiastes 4 and 9, which says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Um, so I think even more than just being intentional, I think something that we often forget is that we don't want friends just so that we're not alone. Like friendships can be so fruitful and can be something so beautiful and so deep like that we're just doing life together. You know, you can have good return for your labor um, when you're working together with someone. So um, that's one thing. Uh, The next thing that I wanted to bring up too is just selflessness um, in friendships. So I think it's really easy when you are starting a relationship with someone, even romantically, to kind of be like, well, I need these things. And so if this person is not meeting those needs, then I don't want any part of it. And it's really easy to kind of get into that mindset, be like, well, this isn't what I need, or they're not what I need. So I don't really want to pursue this any longer. Um, And not that your needs aren't valid, (laughs) that your desires aren't valid, but maybe it's a bit more fruitful, I guess, like in a friendship in a godly way to think about it. Like, how can I serve this other person? What might they need in this friendship? And how can I take my mind off of myself and really look at them and see what they might need? Did you have any thoughts on that, Allison? Yeah. Selflessness and friendships is a hard thing because you definitely should go into a relationship thinking like, how can I serve this person? How can I bolster this person? How can I make their life genuinely better by being in it? So that's definitely important. I think that it can be hard sometimes to know where that boundary is of like where your needs kind of end. For example, like where your margin kind of ends and what you have the ability to provide them. Some people mm-hmm. aren't able to receive what you're trying to give, if that makes sense. I I guess I'll just put this in more concrete. For example, if you're a Christian and you're in close relationship friendship with someone who is not Christian, it it can be challenging because you want to be like, I'm praying for you. Or like, how is your spiritual life doing? And you want to ask them about those things, but it can sometimes be hard. Or sometimes if you know it's someone who's not really comfortable with talking about that, it can be hard to open up that subject. So you have to kind of understand, have that emotional intelligence of what you're able 
to kind of provide to that friendship and what is beyond mm-hmm. your control at that point and to just be Jesus to that person. So I think that's one example of like selflessness where, yes, you absolutely should be selfless, but you should understand the boundaries of where that is healthy and where that is not healthy as well. So that's kind of one qualifier I wanted to add. Uh, but just on this whole topic of serving other people and being there for other people, a friendship that I just love in the Bible is David and Jonathan's friendship, mm-hmm. which is described as a friendship. But I think if you look a little bit closer at kind of their age, differences it was probably more a little bit more like a father-son type or even some kind of mentoring relationship that they had because I think Jonathan was quite a bit older than David Uh, but regardless what is described in the Bible is them having a really really close friendship and you can find that in the story for Samuel especially in chapter 18 I'm just going to read kind of an excerpt from the beginning of that chapter uh, just a couple verses so I'm going to start in verse 3 Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So in the context of this, this is where David is starting to become like a lot more successful in his uh, battles and he's starting to become really well known. He was almost like a celebrity in Israel. They sang songs for him. They did dances for him like they were. They loved David. And Jonathan was the son of Saul, who was the king. So Jonathan was technically the one who's royal and should have been kind of threatened by the amount of fame that David was starting to kind of acquire as he became a more prominent person in Israel. And Jonathan just didn't think of it that way. He just loved David for who he was as a person and didn't see him as a threat to his life and to, you know, all the different things that he probably was aspiring to be. And I think that's so beautiful. Jonathan also risked his life on multiple occasions to help David escape from Saul, who eventually became jealous and tried to kill him several, several times. Like, I think upwards of 10 times. Jonathan helped him a lot. He helped him escape and warn him at the risk of his own life. And uh, even Saul attempted to kill Jonathan at one point. So the main point of the story is just kind of understanding what it looks like to love somebody else unconditionally and wholeheartedly mm-hmm. um, and to love them just for who they are and for where they're at and not just like what they can provide you because if if Jonathan had come into that relationship with David with that mindset he would have been trying to kill David too he probably would have been helping Saul out but he didn't think of it that way he saw I love this guy he's mm-hmm. great and I don't care if he would be a threat to my reign or my rule or my fame it doesn't matter I'm gonna love him I'm gonna take care of him I'm gonna protect him and so when we talk about like that verse saying their souls were connected, that there's a very real connection that we have as people with souls and people with a greater need than just our physical livelihood. So I love this friendship. I would encourage you to read more about it, like kind of get context for all those different things that we don't have time to get into, but Mm -hmm. just a really good reminder. It's not about what people can provide to you. Sometimes it's about like you just loving them where they're at in that time of their life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The last thing I kind of wanted to just say on this specific topic is just if you are in like a time of life where you're feeling the need for friendships that just aren't there or just don't seem to be developing naturally, um, I just kind of wanted to encourage you to pray for the Lord to bring good, uplifting, Christ-centered friendships into your life. Um, I think this is something that 
um, is really important to do because we were never meant to do life alone as believers. Um, and honestly, there are a lot of prayers. I think we pray where we hope for the answer that we want, (laughs) but we pray God, your will be done. I think this is one prayer. Like we can know that he will answer because his will for his church is to be in unity and is to not do life alone. Um, we see this in several places in scripture. I just wanted to read a couple of verses, um, that kind of support this point. Psalm 133, one says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Uh, Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Um, and then the final verse I wanted to read is first Peter four, eight through 10, which says above all love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Um, and there are several other verses all throughout, uh, scripture, but, um, basically I think we can just see throughout the whole of the Bible that God never intended for us to do this life alone. He even says in Genesis that it is not good for man to be alone. Um, and so I think when we pray for the Lord to bring good uplifting and Christ centered friendships into our lives, he will answer that prayer. He will bring people along in our paths to help uplift us and to, you know, ultimately bring us closer to him. Cause at the end of the day, he is our first priority. He is our number one friendship, if you will, (laughs) but his people and his children are meant to live together in unity as one church, as one body. So, yeah. And then as you're praying as well, be open, like keep your eyes open for opportunities and for people that you can meet at church or even at work. Like you don't even understand how many different spheres and circles that you're putting on a daily basis that you have a choice Mm -hmm. and a chance to make an impact on someone. But then the next thing that we wanted to cover as well um, is making sure that we avoid destructive or codependent relationships, which is a really hard thing. It, like I mentioned earlier, it can kind of happen without you realizing it. Sometimes it takes a while for you to realize that a friendship is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And one of the big signs that a relationship is unhealthy, I think is typically that there is one person, I mean, you can correct me if you had a different experience, but there's one person that's in a really hard time in their life mm. and they either don't know how to communicate or they're kind of dragging the other person down. So that could be you, that could be you, but that could also be the other person in the friendship. So that's typically what I've experienced most frequently, that one person will just be really struggling And so it can be hard to maintain a healthy friendship because maybe you care about that person so much and you just want them to be well and they're struggling with something that is honestly just beyond your control to help with and it's in God's hands. Or maybe you are in a really hard place mentally or you're struggling with something that's been prolonged and so you're not super capable of maintaining a healthy friendship with somebody. So that's typically what I see. And honestly, people have such a great impact on us, a greater one than we think. Uh, you know that old saying where they where they say you're most like the five people that you hang out with the most or you spend the most time with. And it's really true. Like who you spend your time around is who you start to become. So it's really, really important to pick and choose wisely. 
It does not mean that just because someone is struggling or in a hard time in their life that you can't be their friend. That is not at all Mm -hmm. what we are saying. We are saying to tether yourself very closely emotionally with someone who is not well can you have to be really careful about doing that and setting up appropriate boundaries uh, to make sure that your spiritual and emotional life is maintained well and to not allow that to suffer for you to pursue something else or somebody else. Proverbs, there's a lot of verses, but I kind of just picked out one. The Proverbs warns us a lot about who we hang around and who we spend our time with. And chapter 13, verse 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And this verse is just kind of warning us who you're around is going to determine what your life looks like. And you don't think that people are going to be able to have that great of an impact on you, but it happens. It happens slowly over time. You just start to be more like them and start to make choices like them and hang around the places they hang out. So just be really careful about who you want to pick friends that you admire and you think they're great and that you aspire to be like that person you know, pick people that you really think you guys can bolster each other and grow each other. Um, and also, this is kind of reiterated later in First Corinthians 15.33, which says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So this just kind of goes to show that it is so much easier for a healthy person to be pulled down than for an unhealthy person to be pulled up. And that's just the experience that I've had. It's really what I witnessed that it's so much easier to just kind of allow something to slide and then allow it to slide again, allow something else to slide and just to kind of give ground on different values that you have in your life for the sake of pleasing other people or fitting in with the crowd It sounds cheesy, but it's just really true. You start hanging out with a bad crowd and that's really what you're going to find yourself doing. You're going to find yourself acquiescing to things that you never would have done before. So I know I've kind of just nailed this in, but just be really careful about who you spend time with and be a person that is someone that uh, that could be looked up to and that other people could aspire to be like you as well. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think just to add to like the image of unhealthy relationships, Um, I think oftentimes it's usually when someone is going through a hard time and they're not dealing with it in the right way. True. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Cause I think in my experience, like if someone is going through a really hard time and they're using me as like their sole comfort and their sole person to like confide in and all of those things, that's when it becomes very one-sided and it becomes this thing where you're like, well, I can't even, like, I'm not being poured into by this person. And they're kind of like sucking the life out of me. Like, that's what it feels like. Like, I hate to say that because I love them, but that's what it feels like because they're not dealing with it in a way that's healthy. They're not dealing with it in a way that will actually help them improve. They're just kind of like, using you to feel better for a time. And then when they feel bad again, they come back to you, you know? So it's like, I think that's when a lot of times, like it starts being really unhealthy when it's one sided, And we can do that too. Obviously I'm not saying like, it's always the other person, you know, like it's like either way, because if it's something that someone is going through, that's like really, really heavy, or it's like something that's really lacking in their mental health or something. And they should be like seeking some type of professional help, or they should be taking time to grieve something, or um, they should be going to a mentor, like in the church or like things like that. And then they're just coming to you with all of that. That's like, that's very heavy. That's a huge burden to bear as someone who 
is very emotionally invested in their life. So it just kind of ends up taking you on this emotional roller coaster with them. It's like every time they're up, you're up. Every time they're down, you're down. And it's like, it just ends up being very unhealthy and it can end up being very codependent. So I think codependency just kind of creeps in really slowly. You don't always notice it at first. First, yeah. they're confiding in you once, but then next time they're telling you that you're the only one that knows this. And it puts this kind of pressure on you to kind of be their savior or to help them out of situations that you were never made to help them out of. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just being really careful about kind of noticing those things and being careful about that. For sure. And like seeking wise counsel if someone's coming to you with things that are really heavy and you don't know how to handle them, but the other person is like unwilling to look for help in other areas and things like that. That can be hard because it feels like you're abandoning them. If you tell them like, we can't really be close anymore, but sometimes you're like, uh, allowing them to just continue to walk in the same cycles. If you're that only person that they can come to and they refuse to go to anyone else. And then you're just allowing them to keep coming to you. You know, it's like, you kind of have to set that boundary and be like, no, you need to talk to somebody that can really help you with this, or you need to do such and such to actually really get over this. Like, I can't help you with this, you know? And that can be really hard too, because you just, you feel bad, you know, like you want to help in any way that you can. And sometimes you just can't. And the best thing you can do is just set that boundary. Right. And then also as a Christian, just knowing that they're all, they're in God's hands. Ultimately, right. we've talked about this before on the podcast, but just an encouragement to remind, like remind yourself that you cannot out care for that person more than God. Like you cannot yeah. compete with him in any way to help that person. So just, it's always really encouraging me that I can like pray for that person and leave them in God's hands. And ultimately there's nothing that I could do that could be better than God. So I'm just going to be Jesus to them as much as I can. I'm going to fail and I'm going to mess up and it's not always going to be perfect, but to, sh- to show that light, but not expect myself to be the light. I think that can be a really good the way that we kind of hedge ourselves and protect ourselves from codependency or an unhealthy closeness in relationships and friendships. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, well, just to kind of wrap the episode up here, um, I just kind of wanted to give like a final exhortation just for both ends of the spectrum, I guess. Um, so I just wanted to say like, if you're in a stage of life where uplifting and healthy relationships are lacking, or you just feel like they're not coming to you naturally, or you're trying to be intentional and they're just not really happening. I just wanted to say, be encouraged. Um, cause this season won't last forever. Truly just continue to seek the Lord and tell him the desires of your heart. I know sometimes it can, it can be easy to grow weary in a season like this. Um, but just know like God is for you in that he's not against you when it comes to being unified with the body of Christ and growing those deeper relationships. I wanted to share first Peter five, seven says, cast all your anxieties or another translation says cares upon him because he cares for you. This honestly, this verse was really, really helpful for me during the time where I was just kind of like looking for friendships and things like that. Cause I think sometimes it's easy to almost feel like God's not for you or that like, he doesn't care about the little things in your life. Like, yeah, he's God. He doesn't care about like my tiny little friendships, but that's not true. You know, it says cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. It doesn't tell you like what caliber of anxiety you need to cast on him. (laughs) So um, it and has to be extremely for terrible for God yeah. to care. Like it <laughs> has to be the really bad level. anxieties and keep the small. 
Yeah. Keep his phones to yourself. No, but it says because he cares for you, you know, because he loves you because he cares about those things for you, especially when it's something that is going to ultimately build his kingdom, like unity in the body of Christ and like relationships developing in that, um, in the church. So on the other hand, I wanted to say, if you're thriving in friendships and you just feel like you have a wealth of uplifting godly relationships, first of all, praise God, you know, hallelujah. That's awesome. Um, but also begin to seek out those who you might pour into as well, um, or who might pour into you. This is kind of the discipleship relationship that we talked about a little bit earlier. I did want to say this can be two-sided basically. Like you can be in a discipleship relationship with someone who is mentoring you. And that's a great thing to have. But I think as mature believers, as we continue to grow in our faith, we can also have people that we're discipling. And this can be someone who is like a young Christian or someone who's just younger than you. Um, and, you know, you've been in their place in life before. And so you want to help kind of mentor them and disciple them as uh, you grow in your faith and as they're growing in theirs. So I just wanted to say like discipleship relationships are so important as believers, both in being discipled and discipling others. Cause we're called to do both. We're called to be disciples of Jesus and to be discipled by others. We're also called to disciple other people and to help them grow in the faith as well. So that is what we had time for today, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode today. This is a topic that we both are just really important and on our hearts recently. So we just appreciate that you joined us for it. Make sure to tune in next week, next Sunday. I'm not quite sure. I'm not 100% sure what we'll be covering, uh, but I'm sure that it will be great. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we said we were going to do nominal Christianity this week and then we changed it. So yeah, who knows? That's, <laughs> that's sometimes why I don't mention it because, you know, things change. We, I'm di- I mean, different topics bring to mind and are placed on our hearts throughout the week, you know, even though yeah. we have plans to talk about something. But that's definitely a topic that we want to be covering pretty soon. So just make sure that you're tuning in every week. And if you want to be alerted of new episodes, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Cedar and Cypress Pod. If you have any questions or want to suggest an episode topic or just connect with us, you are welcome to reach us at Cedar and Cypress Pod at gmail.com. And we will catch you next time. Bye.